Pam has asked me to record this chapter of our book for her. Pam says, After leaving the Catholic Church, I went with friends to a couple of Baptist churches periodically. Although the people were friendly at these churches and the music was lively, somehow these churches seemed dead to me. One day in the early 1980s, I went to the store and I saw a large tent in the parking lot. In the tent was a man speaking from the Bible. I went in and listened for a while and found what he said to be interesting. He spoke of the difference between those who believe in Jesus mentally and those who believe from the heart. My understanding was this man was an evangelist and was holding meetings for a few days in the city. Several months later, I began an internship at a counseling center for teenagers. Some of my co-workers there spoke of the new non-denominational church that they were attending, and I recognized that the man they referred to as the pastor was the evangelist that I had heard in the tent meeting. I was told that he and his wife had wanted to settle down in one place to raise their family, so he stopped doing evangelistic work and became a pastor and started this new church called Metro Church. At the time this happened, I didn't know Ephesians 4, in which we're told that Jesus gives ministry assignments. A person doesn't decide to start or stop being an apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or teacher. In Ephesians 4, we read, And Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the, of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you don't switch assignments unless you have been appointed to two offices, and you could be appointed to more than one office. Paul was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. So you could have more than one office. Pam says, I began going to Metro Church. When I got there, I found there was a singles group that met one evening each week. Although I worked evenings, when possible, I went to the singles group meeting during my dinner break. When I first began going to this group, they met in a small room with less than 10 people. To me, the people in the group seemed to care about things of God. After not being able to go to the singles group for several weeks, when I returned, 
I was surprised to find that they were now meeting in the main auditorium and there were well over 100 people there. Let me pause to make this comment. Often people think a large number of people attending a church means they must really have something happening in that church. Often it's exactly the opposite. Often when there are just a handful of people, they do care. But when you get in large numbers, often they're being entertained somehow or someone is appealing to their own lust. Pam continues her report. There was a new leader, a new pastor at the church, and there were lots of singing and clapping of hands going on. The meetings were now more of a social gathering than they had been before, and there were many people that I had never seen when the group was small. In fact, I seldom saw anyone I had met when the group was small. In this large gathering, I met a woman named Cindy who had a room to rent at her house. I was looking for a place to live while I finished my studies, and I decided to rent this room in Cindy's house. Cindy had been married and divorced twice and had a daughter about six years old. At first, she seemed content to remain single and raise her daughter. But several months later, it became clear that she was looking for another husband. I shared scripture with her, which tell us that if a divorced woman remarries, she commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Scriptures such as Romans 7, 2 and 3. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now let me stop for a moment and state this. I've been in churches where they said, we don't go by the law today, therefore we don't do this scripture. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the New Testament church, a scripture under the inspiration of God. But these pastors, I've seen them throw this scripture out because they say we don't go by the law in the New Testament church. That is extremely foolish to cast out a New Testament scripture spoken under the authority of God by a New Testament apostle. This is extremely foolish. And yet I've seen them do this at churches. They are so mixed up as pastors. They don't go by the law of Moses where you sacrifice animals to pay for your sin. But they certainly go by the rules set forth in the Bible for the New Testament church. And when God created man 
and woman. He created them so that in marriage, at the time of sexual intercourse, they will become one flesh. Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians 6. Not only do they become one flesh, Paul is warning the men in 1 Corinthians 6 that if even if you have sex with a prostitute, don't you know you become one flesh? This is the built-in control that God placed on the subject of marriage. You become one flesh with that person at the time of sexual intercourse. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I need to stop for just a moment and read that scripture to us. 1 Corinthians 6, start at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Paul says, Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. Verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So the basic law that God has set up is that the man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two would be one flesh. You cannot separate that one flesh any way other than death. So we read in the New Testament, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth, because she's one flesh with him. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. That's Romans 7, verses 2 and 3. So the divorced woman who remarries commits adultery according to God's law and the Bible. In Matthew 5, 32, we read, But I say unto you, says Jesus, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So Pam is telling this woman that if she remarries, she will commit adultery. She's also telling her that the man who marries her, a divorced woman, will commit adultery. That's what the Bible says. Pam continues her report. What a shock when Cindy said, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I believe. 
She exalts herself above the Bible by her statement. Shortly after this conversation, says Pam, I graduated and moved to a town about 30 miles away. Although I continued to attend the Sunday morning church service, I no longer went to the singles group evening meeting. However, I sat with them, with the singles group, during the Sunday morning church service, visiting with them before and after the service. I heard then that Cindy was engaged to Terry, one of the men I knew from the singles group. I went to Terry and shared with him scriptures about the adultery committed when a man marries a divorced woman. Scriptures such as Matthew 19.9, Jesus says, And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, divorced, doth commit adultery. Terry said he would consider these things, but he did not stop the engagement. Then I learned that the woman who was to be the maid of honor at this wedding was Lisa. I knew Lisa from the singles group as well. I went to her and shared scripture, warning her of the adultery that would be committed if Cindy married again. Lisa said that she knew this, but that Cindy and Terry would get married even if she wasn't maid of honor. So she was going ahead and be maid of honor. Lisa cared more about her opinion and what she wanted than she did in honoring the scripture. So what we have here is a group of people that don't go by scripture. They go by what they think and what they want. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Then Pam says, One Sunday morning, not long after I had talked with Terry and Lisa, I arrived at the church auditorium a little early and sat in the area where those in the singles group sat. Strangely, no one from the singles group came and sat in the area where I was sitting. As the service was about to begin, I turned around and saw those from the singles group sitting back several rows. I didn't think much about this. I just thought they must have decided to start sitting in a new area of the auditorium. The next week, I sat in the new area of the auditorium, but those in the singles group sat in the old area. Then the following week, I got to the church building shortly before the church service started. The singles were already sitting together, so I went and sat down with them. Without saying a word, they got up and moved to another area of the auditorium. It was obvious that the people in the singles group 
wanted nothing to do with me, but I had no idea why this was so. I cried out to God asking if I had done something wrong. A couple of weeks later, Sherry, a woman I had met when the singles group was very small, but I didn't know her very well, came to me after a Sunday morning church service. She said she had a message from God for me. The message was that God knew how those in the singles group were treating me and that I needed to know it was because I had spoken to the various people involved in Cindy and Terry's wedding, warning them of the adultery that would be committed by this marriage, and that this is what he, God, had wanted me to do. Receiving this message was such a help to me, says Pam, and I was so grateful to God for sending it to me. Terry and Cindy's wedding was held at Metro Church with one of the pastors from the church group officiating. Lisa was made of honor. In the following section of scripture, Jesus is praying to God concerning the elect of God. John chapter 17 verses 14 through 18. Jesus says to God, starting at verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Tomorrow we will continue this story of Pam trying to attend the non-denominational church.